1 John, not the Gospel of John, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but toward the end of the Bible, 1 John, 1 John, written by the same brother. Verse 3 of chapter 2, Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And actually the truth is not in him or is not in her. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is matured or completed or perfected in him. By this we know that we are in fact in him. He who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk just as he walked. WWJD. Brothers and sisters, I don't write a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. But on the other hand, it's a new commandment that I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness of the old way is already passing away, and the true light of the new way is already shining. The one who says he is in the light, that new light, and hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister abides in the light, lives in the light, dwells in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness, walks in darkness, and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You may be seated. you've been with us for the first couple of weeks of this series, you know that the book of 1 John is about this apostle inviting us into this thing called fellowship, which is not coffee and donuts, although it could include coffee and donuts, but it's about the intimate sharing of the life of God with one another. He says, we're inviting you into fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. And last week, in the opening of his letter, he said that the thing that will kill that fellowship, and what we're all looking for, my brothers and sisters, is that fellowship. We're looking for that intimacy. You may think you're looking for a new job. Well, that's second on the list. What we're really looking for is intimacy with the Father and with His Son and with the people who love Him. Our hearts long for it. Our hearts need it. Our hearts are crying out for it. We want to be connected. We want to be known and we want to know. That's the way we're wired. That's the way we're made. And John said last week, the thing that can kill that fellowship most quickly, most immediately, is this thing called sin. And I was at a conference a couple weeks ago, and I heard this guy say this about sin. And we'll just run these up real quickly. I'm not going to pause. Sin kills the spirit. Keep going, because I don't even have them on my notes, uh, Megan. Dulls the mind, weakens the character, impacts the brain, affects the emotions, deteriorates the body, messes up everything. And the New Testament just says sin always leads to death. It just kills us in one way or another. And it destroys our fellowship with God because God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. So if we're out here in the darkness, we can't connect with God. Thus, the very thing that our hearts are looking for, we can't have because He's in the light. He wants it. But we're out here saying, screw you while we do our thing. We know your life. We want the darkness. We'd rather die today than be with you in the life, and that's kind of how we do it at times. Rather die today than be with you in the life and in the light. And he basically, last week, said, get out of denial about your sin. Confess your sin. Don't be hopeless about your sin. We have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if we can get honest enough to own our stuff... We're not going to be beat down, put down, marginalized, or put away like maybe some of us were when we were children, when we owned our stuff. When you own your stuff with this father, you have an advocate. We have a friend at court. His name is Jesus Christ who stands right there in the ear of the father and says, this is my son. This is my daughter. I've got their back. My blood was shed for their sin. Forgive them, father, and hear me as I tell you that we're going to We're going to keep walking together along this path to get back into your light. We have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, today, 
He's going to move forward just a step, and he's going to kind of switch this from more of the negative theme of we've got to stay away from sin, we've got to own our sin, confess our sin, to this positive theme of to hang in fellowship with him. We've got to know what it means to know him. We've got to know what it means to intimately know him. The positive goal of fellowship with God, which is to know him, which is, by the way, the goal of every relationship that we have. If you have a relationship that you care about with another human being, you're, you're longing to know them. You want to know them. When I, when I, when I first met Carla, I was so intrigued by her that at the age of 18, there was something that just emanated from her that I, in fact, I remember that first moment. I'm not going to bore you with the story again. I've told it a million times, but when I heard her laugh behind me, she was over here and I was here looking at this old television in this girl's dorm and I heard her behind me laugh. I said to myself, listen to these words. This is what went off in my head. I've got to know I've got to know the one that belongs to that laugh. My first draw was to know her because in relationship, the whole point is to know that other human being. Have you ever found yourself saying, I want that person to know me or I want to know that person? That's the goal of all intimate relationship. And the premise that we've got to kind of get through this morning before we tell you the two things that John's trying to say, and this is on your outline and it's here on the screen, the premise is that you and I can know him without really knowing him. This particular passage, as well as the whole letter of 1 John, has too often been, I think, grossly misunderstood they have read this line, for example, in chapter 2, verse 3, to say something like this. Now, this is how we as believers know that we believe in him. This is how, this has been read this way, we know that we are truly Christians. This is how we know that we're really, to use one of the terms that's used in the New Testament, truly saved. And so then, when it says, uh, if we keep his commandments, if we're honest, immediately we're all thinking about the list of commandments that we really don't value and we really don't keep. And so all of a sudden, we're insecure in whether he is ours and we are his. In other words, if this is true, then right off the bat, John is not really anymore talking about fellowship. He's talking about whether we're actually sons or daughters of God to begin with. What I want us to understand this morning is, is that at least in my humble opinion, this is absolutely not what John's talking about. This is not about how we can know whether we're truly saved. In fact, if you keep your finger in 1 John chapter 1 and go back to 1 John chapter 5, you'll see a verse that talks about how we can know if we are truly, to use the old phrase, born again, how we're truly sons and daughters. Look what John says in 1 John chapter 5, 11. This is the testimony that God has given to us, that would be you and me, eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. These things I've written to who? Those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. And so how do you know that you have eternal life today? John says if you believe in Christ, you do. Period. Martin Luther used to say back in the day when everybody was arguing about who is of the chosen and who is of the not chosen, he used to say, you want to know if you're one of God's chosen? Believe in Christ. Okay, you are. In other words, the thing that makes us a child of God is to believe. For God so loved the world, the same author says in his gospel, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever simply Believes. It does not say whoever believes and keeps his commandments has everlasting life. It says whoever simply believes. When you accept by faith what God provided for us in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. You become a son of God. You become a daughter of God. You can know that you know 
that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that you are God's son or God's daughter today if you believe in Christ. That's it. That's how you know. Do you get this? He, he's not saying this is how you know that you believe. Either you believe or you don't. And I know sometimes we get all philosophically gummed up saying, well, how do I know I have the right kind of faith? Look, it's not about having the right kind of faith. If, I, if you ask me, do I believe that that light is on? I'm going to go, I look at the data and I go, yes, I do. You won't say, but is it the right kind of faith? Do you have like really a strong faith in believing that are you strong do you strong do you ever waver in your faith no you believe or you don't today if you say i believe in christ you're his and by the way by the way just i wasn't planning on getting all up into this but we are so the enemy just accuses and accuses and he makes us feel so insecure so much of the time when you believe in christ what kind of life does he give you everlasting life and everlasting life means life that Last forever. So the minute you believe, you know what kind of life you have? Everlasting life. Not, hey, here's the way we read it sometimes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, well, you won't perish if you keep on believing in him. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but has life as long as you keep it. Is that what it says? It says you at that moment possess everlasting life, which means that the moment you believe, for me it was five, for you it might have been when you were 10, for some of you it might have been 10 seconds ago. The minute you put your faith in Christ, that faith is accounted unto you for righteousness. And at that moment, you are as good as in eternity. Your life from that moment on, listen, is hidden with Christ in God. Do you know any other relationship on the planet where you can be that secure? The only analogous relationship would be that of those of us who have sons and daughters. Because no matter what my daughters do, if they flip me off, if they tell me to go fly a kite, there, that's better than what I was going to (laughs) say. Can I tell you, if you take their blood... Whose DNA do they still have in their bodies? And are you going to tell me that as parents, we are so flaky that when our children just kind of get uncomfortable with us or they want to walk away from us or they say, screw you or whatever, that we're going to go, okay, fine, well, then screw you. What do we say about those kind of parents? They are still our children no matter what. How much more God who calls himself our father, we are his sons and daughters. I'm telling you, this is what I believe the scripture teaches. There's nothing you can do once you believe in Christ to fall out of his hands. You can walk out of fellowship. You can decide you don't want to know him that well. We have sons and daughters in our families. Like if I have three daughters right now, I could tell you, but I'm not because they might listen to this podcast. I can tell you which ones I feel most intimately connected with and which ones I feel a little less intimately connected with right now. But they are my daughters, you see. Yes, Cindy. We can't walk out of salvation. That's exactly what I'm saying. She said, you can't walk out of salvation. You can't. Once you trust in Christ, listen, once you trust in Christ, you have made an irrevocable decision. Revoke it all you want. I actually believe there's going to be folks that wake up after they've passed, and they're going to be in the arms of God, and they're going to go, how'd you get here? Where'd you come from? I told you. And he's going to say, well, you trusted me at that little vacation Bible school when you were six years old. Yeah, but when I was 12, I told you I didn't want anything to do with you anymore. You think I'm that fickle? You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm not, I'm not fickle. I love you. I will always love you. Do, is this reasonably clear? It is in that security that John invites us into an intimate fellowship that is described as knowing him. In fact, I'm going to suggest that if we don't know the security 
that we are his no matter what, we will not ever have the courage to persevere in getting to know him. You know why? Because we will stumble too much along the way. And too many of the times that we stumble, we'll think, you know what? Well, that, this time, the last time he still tolerated me, but this time he's done with me. And so it's only on the bedrock of the security of knowing that our Father has us as his sons and daughters and that there's no way we cannot be his son or daughter that we can continue to have the courage to say, in that security then, no matter what, I can keep on moving into you. Each day I have a new, new, new ability to choose to get to know you, Father, the one who wants to know me. Does that make sense? All right. Thus, two things John's trying to say this morning. The first thing he says in verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, and it is summarized something like this. John says, we can know that we know him. In other words, we can know that we are intimately connected with him by keeping his commands. This isn't how we know we're saved. In fact, in the moment that I'm not keeping his commands, that's the moment I need to know most of all that I still am saved. That's the moment I need to know that no matter what, man. So you do not look for your primary security as a son or a daughter to the commands. You don't. Because that's the moment where you're going to say, if it's dependent upon my commands, I'm not saved. I guess I never was saved. The commands and our keeping of them don't give us security about being his child they give us a measure of security about the fact that we're moving into more intimate knowledge of him and him with us. This little word, keep, the Greek word is tereo. And I need you to know that it doesn't just mean merely performing the commands. It's not about mere performance. Keeping meaning I just do them. That's not what Tereo means. It means attending to his words with great diligence and great care. It means to preserve those words as being important to us, attending to them as if they really, really matter. The word Tereo is used in the book of Acts where it says when Peter was put into prison, the the bars and the, the guards, Tereo, kept him in prison, preserved him, guarded him. The word Tereo is used in 1 Peter chapter 1 where Peter says, we, that you and I who are sons and daughters, have an inheritance kept, Tereo, preserved, guarded in heaven, waiting for us. There's nothing that can can get to it because it's kept for us. It's preserved for us. That's the word that's used here. By this, we know that we are growing to intimately know him if we keep his commandments. I don't know how many of you are following the tigers. You, you need some, like, ibuprofen at least, maybe something worse at best. Um, at worst, because they're so flaky, they're so up and down. But can I tell you that you can tell a tiger fan, man, they, they have a tiger hat, they have um, a tiger shirt, they're wearing their tiger stuff all over the place, no matter where they go, they represent, they have, they, 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 they are, can we say it this way, they're keeping, the tigers are in a really important place in their heart, they're, they, they keep them, they, they're about them. They have their smartphones, so even if they're at a meeting, they are taking that smartphone out and they're checking. Like Pete and I at our elder meetings, we're you know we're, no disrespect, but we got it. We we got to check to see how it's going in the fifth inning, man, because it really it matters, man. The karma, man. We got to send it. We got to be with them. We we are about them. If you decided to major in history in college, you 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 are located on and about. You're guarding, you're keeping, you're preserving, you're, you're maximizing in your spirit what history is about. That's how we can know that we're getting to know him if what he says is really on our mind 
and in our hearts. Not that we always keep them, but that they're very, very important to our spirit. I want you to keep your finger in 1 John 1 and go over to John 14 for a moment. I'm going to blow your mind with what Jesus says here. And again, same author, same author. John 14, this is the Gospel of John. Look what Jesus says that John quotes that I think he's echoing in 1 John 2, but this is the original statement from Jesus. Verse 21, the one who has my commandments, and here it is, and keeps them, attends to them, represents for them, because they matter to him. They're his gut, they're her soul, keeps them. Not just performance, they're all about them. That one, look at this. That one is the one who shows me that, that he loves me. She loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. Which is not to say that they won't be loved. That's not what John's saying. If they don't keep those commandments, it's simply saying we will move toward them with that love. We always love them, but we will move toward them. We will manifest that love. And then it says, and we will manifest ourselves to that person. To manifest means to make visible in a clear, conspicuous way. Have you been wanting? And if you don't want to know him, who do you want to know? Who do you want to know if you don't want to know him? Like, you know, I've I have my heroes. I mean, I, I got folks that I kind of, I like N.T. Wright, who's a, a bishop in the Anglican Church. I love that guy. I like, uh, there's no Chicago Cubs I really like that much right now. They really had a horrible season. But I have, I have the folks that I guess I'd like to meet. But can I tell you, are you kidding me? The Son of God, the one who died on the, if you don't want to know him, who do you want to know? If you don't want to have more of him revealed to you, who, who do you want? And, and Jesus said, if we will simply keep his commands and hold them close and say that they matter to us, that they are important to us, we attend to them, they're, they're life to us, we know that it matters, then he will show up and reveal himself. Some of us say, why hasn't he ever shown himself to me? Why, does, why can't I see him? I ain't judging, man. I've got my own issues. I have nothing to judge you with. But can I just say, maybe it's because we have not valued what he says in a way that would draw us into more intimate knowledge. Can I promise you this? Hear me, hear me, my brothers and sisters. If you do not have a clear manifestation of him, it is not about him. He lives to know you and me. And Jesus made a promise. If he's a liar, just say it. Say that's what you believe. But he said, the one who keeps my commands, Toreo, values them. I will manifest myself to him. I will show up in a way that will be clear, undefined, but it will be clear. And they will know that they know that they know me. I've told you this story way too many times of when I was dating Carla, but I was also dating those other two girls. Hey, boy. I could handle it. <laughs> you do bad things to me. You, when he starts going, I go somewhere. Well, I obviously couldn't handle it because, and here's what the, the thought was. If I haven't ever told you the story like this, hear this. I wanted to know her more. Remember, I heard the laugh. I said, I got to know who belongs to that laugh. And then I started to date her. But there was these other two sisters that they were really cool. And we weren't that committed yet to Car uh, Carla and I were. I wanted to know her more. I want and guess what she was saying? Basically, talk to the hand, bro. I, this is what she said, and she's in the children's, she's working with the kids today, so I, I chose to talk about this because she's not, no, not really, I didn't do it for that reason. She basically said, if you think, I know I'm only 19, and you're the big college football captain of the team and all that, so what? 
I am not going to give. What kind of fool do you think I am? I'm, I'm, I love you, but I'm not going to give more of myself to you unless you value me in a way that merits me revealing myself to you. Go, Carla. Yeah. How is this sitting with you, man? I, look, I'm not trying to lay a trip on you. I'm just saying this is First John. This is about our destiny, loving and being loved with courage. We've, look, we've got to know him. I can't be like, I believe in you, but we're not that tight. And we're going to go out where folk are killing each other and be of impact. We can't just believe in him. We've got to know him. And I'm saying, if we're going to know him, We've got to value who he is and what he's about. We, we've got to represent, man. We've got to ask ourselves, what do we care about? And I'm just saying today, if you don't care about his commands, whose commands do you care about? Are you done with the political fodder, by the way? Are you done with that? I'm so done with that. I have a brother who sends me, I've gotten 40 emails, and, the, and they're all these, um, all these articles from this think tank, and they're all you know, coming to my phone, and I'm like, delete, 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 because when I read them, it's the same old thing that I've been hearing for 40 years as a grown man. I don't value those commandments. I don't, because I think they're, don't get me going. I just don't value them. But you know whose commands I value? Because they're life to me. I value the commands of my Lord Jesus Christ. He has never steered me wrong. He's never told me one time to do something that wasn't for my good. I value them. And because I value them, I believe he has shown some of himself to me. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want him to help me value his commands more because I want him to manifest himself to me more clearly, more clearly, more clearly today than he did yesterday. My question is, what do you want, man? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, himself to us. What we're trying to say, yes, I do. It's, it's not so much about faith. Faith is involved. It's about us saying, do we value, like I value Carla, who she was, what she said. When I showed her, by dropping those other two girls, by the way, That's what had to go down. That's what had to go down. How many, of you, how many times have we talked about this? And I don't mean to be crude, but this, this preaches. I think it speaks. God is not doing threesomes. You will not forget that line from this sermon this morning. I promise you. Somebody's going to put that on YouTube with a little music in the background, you know. <laughs> that was all me. If we value him, he will unveil himself to us. And, and John goes on to say, verse 4, if we say we know him and we don't value his commands, can we just get honest? We're lying. Can we stop playing church and just realize we come or we hang out with Jesus people because, you know, it's reasonably pleasant and it's better than, I don't know, some other things I could be doing. It's all right. Okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But let's get honest and just say, if you say, I know him. No, you don't. No, you don't, because you really don't want to know him that much. You're about like I was with Carla. You wanted to know, I wanted to know her, and I wanted to know her and her and her. And no and no and no, was what Robert just said. And then verse 5, it says, if we value his word... We display a mature or a complete love relationship with him. When we begin to value his word, there's something that happens, something that catalyzes in our relationship when we grow. Look, look, when we're a new believer, th this is for more people that have been a believer for a minute. We hear his commands. We hang out with each other. We open this book. We see what he says, and we begin to value them. And then, and then he begins, look, he begins to unveil himself to us. And then we begin to love him even more. Because when you see him, he's the beautiful one. He's the beautiful one. 
So we begin to value him more, we begin to love him more, he begins to love us more, and then all of a sudden, our love, what's happening? It's maturing, it becomes like perfected, and then it says, and then we know that we are in him. That is not a synonym for knowing that we are saved, it's for knowing that we are in him. We're, we're up, I'm not walking back here, Jesus, I love you, but not that much, so I'm going to walk over here, you walk over there. No, it's like, we are like up in him. With him, we know that we're in him because we value his commands. And he says, do this. And we say, oh, I know that would be good for me because you love me. And then our love grows. And then we're like this. We're like this, man. We're like inseparable. And then it says in verse 6, look, John just says, if you claim to abide in him, another word for fellowship, then we ought to walk like he walks. Come on now. If, if, if you and I are close friends, we're going to end up doing stuff together, man. We're going to end up being about a lot of the same things. If we claim to abide in him, then we ought to walk like he walked. What would Jesus do? The test of whether we're abiding, having intimate, whether we know him, is that when you see that guy or that woman, you say, they remind me. They remind me of someone. They remind me of. They remind me of Jesus. Oh boy. I. I wish, I don't know how, I don't know how to convince you that he's worth knowing like that. I don't know how to convince you that whoever else or whatever else you think you've got to know more than him, whose commands you value more than him, I don't know how to convince you that those commands are jack compared to his words. I don't know how. Heck, to be honest, there are some days when I've lost my mind that I can't even convince myself. Just to show, I mean, I'm not on some other plane, but I, I will tell you this. I've walked in the darkness enough that at the age of 58, I don't want to stay there too long. When I get there, I don't stay there as long as I used to because it's dark there. I'm afraid of the dark. If I understand what darkness is in spiritual battle, I'm afraid of the dark. I don't want to be in the dark. It is not, Robert. And I, I, I want to say this in a way. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it. I just feel like we've got to get to some new level. I, I, don't, I don't like that word, some new place relationally. My God, what, what are all these seats out here where there's no human beings? It's not about church attendance. Man, we don't, you ever get a, you know, notice in the mail that says, we've been taking attendance lately and you've been absent. We don't do that. That's not what it is. But at some point, my brothers and sisters, this place, honestly, I, I will say this about this place. If you are not about knowing him, you won't hang here for 30 seconds because there's just not enough amenities. In fact, if here, if here today, if you say, um, I, you're right, Pastor Butcher. I'd like a place where there are a lot more amenities. I got a list. I'll give it to you. Have at it. I'm not saying this is the only place you can hang. But I am saying that it seems to me after six years here, we ought to be planting another church or something. And some of you might say, well, you know, if you leaders would just, you know, strategize better. You know what? I, can I be honest with you? I don't think it's about strategy. I think it's us, us about accumulating a few more folk that want to know him more than they want their next breath. That's what I think it is. Yes, Dorothy. 
That was Dan, I think, maybe. Yes, knowing him, yes. Yes, he could not. Yes, you have to. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. You found me. Exactly. It was Dan. Oh, it was your dad? Well, there you have it. That's right. That's right, the prison, that's right. Yes. Yes, Dorothy. I couldn't stop. found me. Amen. Amen, Dorothy. Amen. 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 And, and I got to say, with that testimony there about James's testimony, that and again, you understand, I'm not coming to you like I'm all that in a bag of chips. You get that. Do you not? Please, can you feel me here? I'm just saying, you, 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 you asked me to lead, so I'm trying to lead this morning. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I feel so compelled in my spirit. I'll, I'll give you another illustration. Next week, I'm going to do a retreat down in Florida for a bunch of brothers, okay? Talking about the same kinds of things we talk about here, about the love of Christ and about how their men are wounded, have nobody to talk to. We're going to try to ask God to help us open them up. Eric Russ will be coming from Mac Avenue next week and sharing with us. And, and uh, Jacob Atem will be here next week from the Sudan and talking about the clinic. And You know what I get worried about? Maybe this is my baggage, but I know kind of way it's been, the rhythm that it's been for my 30 years of ministry. When people find out that I'm gone, they don't show up. Can I just tell you, thank you, Cindy, for validating that. <laughs> Can I tell you, how do I say this? It is not right, it is not about knowing me, although I hope we all want to know each other. It is about knowing him. At some point, we as a community have got to grow the heck up. This is not a place that we attend. How many times can I say that? It's not a place we attend because it's a good thing to do on a Sunday morning. This is a community of brothers and sisters who say we want to know him. We want to value his commands. He loves us. He died for us. We want to know him more than we want to breathe our next breath. That's what has to happen here. I almost want to just stop right now and just open up this front and say, come and pray and ask God if there is something that keeps you wanting to know someone else more than you want to know him, valuing someone else's ethos more than you value his, then this is the morning for you to say, what is it, Father? What is it that I want? What is it that I want? And is that thing that I want delivering the goods or not? What is it, my brothers and sisters? What is it that keeps you distant from him? What is it? He loves you so much. What are you looking for? Bono sings, I... What's the line? I can't even remember it. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. What are you looking for, man? What are you looking for? What are you chasing? What myth? What illusion? When the Lord Jesus is literally like 
all around you, just kind of going, I'm, look, I'm, 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 the, I'm the one. Look at my hands. I died. I love you that much. I, I just want to unveil myself to you, but I, I can't dishonor the relationship by unveiling when you're not about it, when you're playing the game. I can only unveil if you want me to unveil. Let, let, me, let me say one more thing. This is number two, because this is a part of the package. If you want to know what the transition between verse 6 and verse 7 is, in John's mind it is, it is this. Okay, what is the one word that describes how Jesus walked? What is the one command that would describe his heart? Here it is. I write now a new commandment to you, verse 7, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you've heard from the beginning. A new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he's in the light hates his brothers in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. The most significant commandment of the Lord Jesus is an old command, love the brothers and sisters. If you value him, if you want to know him, then we've got to be about that most of all. That's not Kevin speak. That's First John, who heard Jesus say it in John 13. The night before he died, he said, look, 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 there's one thing I need you to know. If you will love all the one another's, if you will love all the one another's as I have loved you, John 13, 34, and 35, then the world will know that you're with me, that I come from God. It's an old command, man. There ain't nothing new. You know what fries me like a piece of bad bacon and and I and I've and I've participated in this in the past so again I'm not I'm not all that but maybe I'm growing up just a tad bit is the way still here we are in American Christianity it's all about the newest strategy we are strategy junkies in American church always looking for something new and innovative and exciting because to love is often messy, and it is hard, and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. I can come up with a new strategy. I'm not an idiot. I don't have to be that smart to come up with a new thing. Let's go, let's do a barbecue ministry. You know, that's the way we'll reach the world. Nothing wrong with the barbecue ministry. In fact, we've had some great barbecues here. I love the, our barbecues, but... It's an old command. There's nothing new. You don't have to put the quotes up, but Aristides, 125, writing a Christian apologetic. You've heard me quote this before to Emperor Hadrian, Emperor Hadrian saying this is what the Christians do. In the middle of his apologetic, they love one another. Irenaeus, early 2nd century, they love one another. Tertullian, end of the 2nd century, they love, we, we love one another. Lucian, a Roman philosopher and historian, <laughs> their teacher has convinced them that they're brothers and sisters. You should see the way these folks love one another. Augustine, 5th century, they love one another. Bernard of Clairvaux, the four loves, 12th century, we love one another. He loves us, we love one another. Martin Luther King, Jr., you can't beat hate with hate. Our Savior taught us, he said, you have to beat hate with love. Hope Community Church, September the 23rd, 2012. There is nothing new. It's an old commandment. And it is that out of knowing him, we love one another in a radical way that shows the world that the kingdom of God has started to come to earth. The darkness is passing away. The light has begun to shine. In that sense, it's a new command. The old way is haters. Hating is old. And do you notice, do you notice, do you notice this? In this text, 
John doesn't say, well, there's really three ways as believers you can manifest this. You can either love, that's the best way, or we don't want to do this. You can hate, that would be the worst way. Or you can do this thing in the middle, this kind of thing that's not love or hate. It's just kind of, you're just kind of indifferent. No, that's not what John says, my brothers and sisters. He says, if you're not loving, you are a hater. Disinterest means, like passivity means, backing off and just being an attender means that we don't value the brothers and sisters enough to throw down for them. So we are not just in the middle. We are a hater. John's just calling us out. He's just calling us out. If you're not a lover, you're a hater. And if you're not a lover in the light, then know this, you are a part of the darkness. Man, that ain't me. I don't... I, I can't speak these words, man. I'm just a little human being here. This is the apostle who's saying, either you're about it or you're not. Are you still his child in the darkness? Yeah. We already established that fact, didn't we? But we're a child who, by thinking, get this, that we're just kind of doing the middle of the road thing, just kind of hanging middle of the road. I'm not throwing down over there, but man, I'm not a bad guy. He says, if you're not throwing down, loving the brothers and sisters, then you're a hater and you're part of the darkness. Walking around like somebody who's blind, who just can't find his way. Can I be honest with you? Uh, This is my view. You tell me if your view is something different. The problem today in the world, now listen, listen, is not the darkness. John says it in the opening of his prologue in the gospel. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Do we believe that, or is that just philosophical poppycock? The problem, the reason... In our, even our community here this week, that some darkness won for a hot moment is not because the darkness is that strong. It's because there's a whole bunch of believers. We're children of God who are acting like, you know what? I don't really have to love. I can just play the middle. It's because the darkness is literally strengthened by those of us who claim to be about the light, but as children of God, because we're doing nothing, we're literally walking with and in the darkness. You know what I always think when I get done with a talk like this? I think, my Lord, I'm not trying to beat people up. And so you might be sitting there going, my brother, man, don't be, don't be upset at me. I walk in the light and then praise God. I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm not your conscience. If you're sitting here this morning going, man, Kev, I get it, man. I, the Lord Jesus, I love him. I want to love him more. I want to know him more. When I get up in the morning, his words are on my mind. When I go to sleep at night, his words are on my mind. His words for me, his words to me, his words through me. When, I, when I'm in the middle of the day, my mind wanders to him. I love him. I want to know him more. I've been in the darkness. I don't want to live there anymore. I want him. If that's you, I'm like, yes, thank, thank you. God love you. Thank you. I'm not talking to you. John's not even talking to you. Although I would say, if you're sitting there going, he's not talking to me because, ah, maybe a little pride. You might want to check that. You might want to check that. I've outed myself to you today. I don't always do this. I just tell you what the tenor of my life is about. But if that's what you're about, and if you're like, man, I'm about making decisions to act sacrificially on behalf of others all the time. That's agape love. I'm about that. I'm not about what people give back to me. I'm about, because, you see, what makes that love come out of us is knowing his love. If I sit here today and don't know him and try to love you, in 27 seconds, you're going to get on my nerve, and I'm going to stop. 
But if I know him, if I'm in him, if I'm abiding in him, if I'm walking with him, if I'm plugged in to him, if I'm intimate with him, then you can spit up my nose and I will wash your feet anyway because the light always trumps the darkness. If that's you, I'm like, praise God. Thank God. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. But for the rest of us who have been doing the thing, I'm not, I'm not a hater, man, but I'm not a lover, but I'm not a... Can I just say what John says? If you're not trying to know him more intimately, then you're walking in the darkness. And you, I say this with all humility, you are more of the problem as a child of light walking in the darkness than the folks that are in the darkness because they don't yet know the light. I just have this sense that Hope Community Church is in a space where we're either going to grow up can't believe I'm saying this. We're either going to grow up or we're going to go past some of these little things where we're trying to hang in the middle. Listen to me. Or I, I wouldn't say we'd be around in 10 years. I'm 58 years old. Our leaders are 58 and 62. You keep putting it on, folks, either we do this together. You get this? Either we get serious about this. I mean, seri- I mean like throw down. I want to know him. I want to keep his commands. That's my life. Either we do that, and all of a sudden, man, we, because of the passion of knowing him and how it bleeds out, all of a sudden, we're not just going to have us gathering each week going, well, we're going to press on. We're going to press on. I don't want to just press on. I want to overcome the world. Is that what you want? Yes. I'm not just about pressing on. I don't want to just press on. I don't, I don't want to say in five years we've been holding on. Thank you, Lord. We've been holding on. I don't want to hold on. I want to overcome the world. I want the light to trump the darkness. I want that young man who got wasted this week, I want the light to so permeate. Let's just start right here. So permeate that the next time that happens, somebody's standing right there that is about the light and two and three and four others. So when the darkness comes, we're like, if you want him, you've got to take us out too. In the name of Jesus Christ, put that weapon down. That's what we're talking about. If that's not what the kingdom is about, then all we've got is another religion. Then let's be religious, but let's, let's not lie and act like we're about this thing called the light that trumps the darkness.